The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them, saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. The Feast of the Baptism of the Lord marks the end of the Christmas season and the beginning of ordinary time. It is the feast uh, that has a foot in each season. It is part of the Christmas season because Christ has not yet begun his public ministry, but it is also the first Sunday in ordinary time. The celebration of the Baptism of the Lord is actually traditionally part of the threefold celebration of Epiphany, which, like when we still say, Epiphany includes the Magi, includes the Baptism of the Lord, but it also includes the wedding feast at Cana, which now we separate into three, the Epiphany, the Baptism of the Lord, and then the second Sunday of ordinary time is always the wedding feast at Cana. And actually in the Liturgy of the Hours, it's still, even though they're sort of separated, you also see that they're all still together on the Epiphany with some examples like the Canticle of Zechariah, the Antiphon for the Canticle, says, Today the bridegroom claims his bride, the church, since Christ has washed her sins away in the Jordan's waters. The Magi hasten with their gifts to the royal wedding, and the wedding guests rejoice, for Christ has changed water into wine. Alleluia. But I digress. In the baptism, uh, in the account of the baptism, Christ comes to John the Baptist, relatively unknown to the world. There are the select few who have already had privileged encounters with him, such as the shepherds and the wise men in Bethlehem. But the average person doesn't know anything about Jesus because he has been living a secluded life. He's been living the secret life in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph. Up until this point, John is the one who has been drawing all the attention. For example, Luke says, As the people were in expectation and all men questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether perhaps he is the Christ, and multitudes were going out into the wilderness to the place that John was baptizing, John was a big deal. And it's difficult for us to grasp how big of a deal he was because we read the Gospels already knowing that Jesus is the Messiah. But if you put yourself in the place of people, contemporaries of John, they don't know, and they think that John might be the Messiah. But despite his fame and the large following, John remains humble. He knows who he is, and he knows what his relationship is to Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water, but one who is mightier than I is coming the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. However, before we get to the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire, we must first begin the journey. John is preaching a baptism of repentance. Repentance, translating the Greek word metanoia, literally means after thought. So 
I was thinking one way, and now this is my after way of thinking. Um, it's, it's like a new mind, a new, a new way of thought. And so he shows us how we repent, because where is he? He's at the Jordan River, just north of the Dead Sea. And this is actually the lowest point on earth. And it's also important biblically because it's the border between the place of exile, the desert, and the promised land. And so this is where repentance take place, takes place, when we recognize that with, without God, before our baptism, we are at the lowest point on earth and we are in exile. But through baptism, we enter the promised land. So when Jesus is baptized, he takes humanity into the water with him. We see the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and the Father says, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. With Moses, the Israelites crossed through the water of the Red Sea to escape slavery. With Joshua, they crossed through the water of the Jordan to enter the Promised Land. And in Jesus, Israel crosses through the water of the Jordan in order to escape death and become adopted sons of God. Jesus is the Son of God by nature, and we become sons of God by participation. In Luke's Gospel, this is actually emphasized because the very next passage, Luke gives us Jesus' genealogy, and he traces the ancestry of Jesus all the way back to Adam, Adam, the Son of God. Adam was the first man, and sin entered the world through him. Jesus is the new man who carries all humanity with him back to God. So this is where ordinary time begins. Ordinary time is a rather unfortunate title. It's default name given to the numbered Sundays, uh, ordinal Sundays, um, that separate the four major liturgical seasons. So the time between Christmas and Lent and the time between Easter and Advent are ordinary time. And personally, I, I don't like the title. <laughs> it's not a theological title, and it's not the title that was used before 1969. I think, I hope, it, it should be changed back to what it was, um, which is this time right now is the time after Epiphany. The time after Easter, or the time after Pentecost, is the time after Pentecost, and it has deep theological meaning. It's not just a default name. Christ is revealed to the nations at the Feast of the Epiphany. And the necessary sequitur, the necessary thing to follow his Epiphany, is the baptism. That if we have met Christ, we must be baptized. That we cannot begin the journey with Christ unless we are baptized. So his public ministry begins with his baptism, and our spiritual life begins with our baptism. So in the weeks that follow the Epiphany and the baptism of the Lord, we enter Christ's ministry in Galilee. We journey with the apostles as they get to know Christ. And this time of walking with him, witnessing his miracles, and listening to his teaching carries us through to the season of Lent. It's cold outside and the days are still short, so most people spend their evenings inside. I suggest enjoy this relaxed time of preparation to build up your knowledge of Christ, your relationship with Christ by getting to know him better. Read through the Gospel of Luke. Read Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth book. Or read other classic works on the life of Christ, like 
Fulton Sheen's The Life of Christ. So we don't want ordinary time to be going back to ordinary life where Christ is just reconciled to 45 minutes on Sunday. We want this ordinary time to be the time after Epiphany. This is the time to sit with Christ at the wedding feast at Cana, to sit with him on the hill of Beatitudes. It's our time to hop into the boat and set out into the, into the deep on the Sea of Galilee. It's our time to be strengthened by his words as he prepares us for the eventual journey to, Jerus- to Jerusalem and to the cross. So, enjoy this time after Epiphany. <laughs>